You're listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Let's continue the Super Bowl analysis with Andy Benoit of Sports Illustrated and the MMQB. Andy, thanks for coming on the show. I know you watch a lot of tapes. So as you get ready for the big game coming up in Minnesota, what's the state of the Eagles secondary trying to match up with Tom Brady and the Patriots receivers? Well, I mean, the Eagles secondary has played it the same way all season long. They don't travel their corners. So, you know, you're going to have Jalen Mills on the secondary's left side and Ronald Darby on the right, and then Patrick Robinson, who's had a very, very nice season in the slot. Um, the X factor is Malcolm Jenkins and his versatility, and, and Corey Graham as well. They'll bring Corey Graham off the bench and play dime, and they'll do that when New England goes to three receiver sets and obvious passing situations. And Jenkins and Graham are both long-time converted corners. They've played safety in the NFL career, but they came in as corners, and they give them unique matchup flexibility. And you'll see that matchup flexibility, obviously, in man-to-man, and I think Jenkins will be the guy that takes Gronkowski. But then in some of their cover three stuff as well, if they want to have matchup elements out of their basic zones, they can get that inside with those guys. So you know who you have and what you have outside, and if you want to go inside, that's where it gets a little more complex. Nothing the Patriots can't handle, certainly. Talk about matchups, and, and, and I think when it comes down to, to what this front four can do in Philadelphia, it's been kind of hard for anyone to match up against them. What do you think New England needs to do in order to stop a Chris Long and also a Fletcher Cox who's really been dynamic over the past few weeks? Yeah, uh, it's, and that's Philly's key to winning this game. They, they, if they do win the Super Bowl, their front four will have had a dominant performance. I think it'll be interesting to see with New England because what we've seen all season long is a team that's gone to more of a classic offense. Power running, to some deeper drawback passing. Think of Chris Hogan, Gronkowski, certainly Brandon Cook stretching the field, getting a little vertical. But when you do that, you run the risk of, of pressure getting home, and especially against teams that have good defensive tackles. You can help on defensive ends a lot easier than defensive tackles out of some of those power concepts. So what we've seen in the playoffs, and especially in the divisional round against Tennessee, was New England went back to their spread stuff that they did in the Julian Edelman years where they're dinking and dunking underneath. And you see, in this case, it's Danny Amendola uh, running crossing routes on linebackers I don't know which of the two we'll see in this game. I, I, I think the reason they did that against Tennessee, they, Bink and Dunk, was they wanted to go after those linebackers in coverage. Whatever they do, though, will, will be a function of how they feel most comfortable protecting against that Eagles front because that's, that's really the only way that they could conceivably lose this game sounding. That's, that's Philly's clearly best chance of beating them is winning in the front four. Andy Benoit, Sports Illustrator, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Andy, no perfect teams in pro sports. What does the tape tell you the Patriots' biggest weakness could be? Oh, but it's a good question. Um, their running game is is average, but they have such a commitment to it, and they're so good with their quick passing game when they need to be that it really is. It keeps them on schedule, which is adequate, but they're not a dynamic running team. Um, I, that's the only weakness I can see offensively. Defensively, they don't have a great pass rush. Uh, they don't have natural edge rushers. But that pass rush has gotten a lot better over the course of the season, and it is, it is really overachieved down the stretch. So even that one has a caveat. The, the Patriots are pretty uh, – they're not flawless, but they don't have any glaring holes coming in. When you look at what Bill Belichick has been able to do, you know, how do you, you know, 
get yourself prepared to go up against something like that. You see what he does when it comes to being able to make the adjustments at halftime, and it almost looks as if they just automatically take away your strengths from what you were doing in the first half, and they just play keep away from you and end up scoring more touchdowns than you. Like, how do you stop that? It's hard um, because they make it easier on themselves by giving you no leakage. So you don't see the Patriots miss very many tackles. Uh, they had some blown assignment downfield and coverage early in the season, some issues against pre-snap motion that led to confusion. Back got cleaned up in a hurry, and you don't see them blow coverages. You don't see them on different pages. They're very sound. They're gap sound against the run. And you might gain four yards on them, but you've got to be willing to gain four yards on every run because you're, you're not going to break off very many big ones, and do you have the discipline to do that? Uh, and so I, I, it's, it's hard. It's hard to deal with, and they, they don't do anything – tricky or overly complex they just make you play with ultimate discipline and they themselves will be playing with ultimate discipline and i think the last thing that really gets overlooked with new england is they can match up and and man-to-man at a variety of spots they have two good corners which people know about and gilmore and for this year malcolm butler still he'll probably be gone after this game uh, but then they have some, some safeties who can match up. Patrick Chung, Devin McCourty. And when you have that, you become immune to a lot of the mismatches and formations that, that offense is used to dictate against you. Andy Benoit, Sports Illustrated, is our guest. It's NFL No Huddle on the NFL on TuneIn. Andy, how much credit does Doug Peterson deserve as an emerging play caller? Certainly a lot of creativity on display in the NFC title game. Oh, he's he's been phenomenal. I, I had a tough time not giving him my uh, AP Coach of the Year vote. In fact, he uh, they have a very expansive running game. They give you a lot that you have to prepare for, which most teams cannot do. You, you can you practice. Are we a zone running team? Are we more of a gap scheme or a man to man blocking team? We're kind of one of those two things. Philly is both of those things, and at a very high level. They have good linemen, but that also comes from good coaching. And they integrate their passing game into that running game pretty well. They've adapted the offense to fit Nick Foles. He rewarded them by playing like Carson Wentz in the NFC Championship and making plays late into the down, downfield. Uh, so they're equipped to beat you downfield by their designs or underneath by their designs. And I think it's going to be underneath in this game. I don't think you can bank on uh, Nick Foles having a, another game for the ages like that. I mean, you hope he does if you're the Eagles, but I don't think you can count on it. So they'll scheme it up, and it's going to start with their running game and a lot of the slam passes and stuff that Nick Foles is comfortable with. And Peterson has done a phenomenal job all season with all of that stuff. And speaking of all of that stuff, uh, from what you saw um, when he actually first started playing, let's say in the latter part of the season, uh, when we saw Carson Wentz go down, what's the difference between when he played then and how you've seen him getting better in playing in those two champion two, in those two playoff games, playing against the Falcons and also the Minnesota Vikings? Well, I think early. I think what Wentz gave the offense early in the season is the ability to extend the play without breaking down the play. So we see a lot of quarterbacks who can make something happen. Oh, look at it. They pulled it out of a hat. Well, they broke down the play in the process, which is fine. It's better than getting sacked. But the quarterbacks that are dominant, that don't have to leave the pocket and don't run around it and don't ad lib, but can still extend the play just by moving with poise and nuance and strength within the pocket, they force the defense to play defense longer. And defenses aren't designed to play longer because the offensive plays are designed to beat the defense. And the play is going to win every time for the offense if you give that play an extra second or second and a half 
without letting it break down. And that, that's what Wentz does so well. And that's what Nick Foles, that's what you lose when Nick Foles comes in. And so you have to be more precise with your scheming. But what was so hard to reconcile was that in that NFC Championship against Minnesota, Foles did play like Wentz and did extend plays within the down. I've never seen him do that, not for, not for at that high of a level for four quarters. And he was pretty average, and they hit him against Atlanta. And then the very next week against what I believe was the NFL's best defense, he came out and played at an MVP-type level. He played just like their MVP quarterback had been playing. Andy, let's wrap it up with a philosophical question because you watch so much tape. We're talking a lot of draft already with the Senior Bowl practices this week. How are scouts going to reconcile what they see on tape from Josh Allen, big arm, big skill set, versus the numbers that tell them he's highly inaccurate, not even a 60% completion percentage at Wyoming? You're going to get two divided camps there. I think it will be two strong opinions on, on Josh Allen because of how you just described him. And it's easy to fall in love with those traits. It's very easy, especially when you're coaches and you're around guys all the time and you kind of get used to just seeing a way, a certain way that football looks and then someone comes along and it makes it look even better to you after 30 years in the game. I mean, that can get exciting as a, for a coach. And you think, oh, well, I can do anything with that. But that issue with accuracy, and I haven't studied Josh Allen, so we are, we're, like you said, we're talking theory I don't think you can teach accuracy in the NFL. You can maybe touch up accuracy and maybe make it a little more consistent. But guys who are inaccurate or have bouts of it and are under 60% for much of their throwing careers, that's not going to change when you get to the NFL. When the the game's faster in the field, you're playing in the middle of the field where everything happens uh, more on schedule, on time. It's a much more efficient game in the NFL. So a guy who's inaccurate in college, he's going to be even more inaccurate in the NFL just by the nature of the game. Andy, thanks for coming back on the show and chatting with us once more on the NFL on TuneIn. You got it. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to No Huddle with Brian Weber and former Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart live on the NFL on TuneIn. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. The National Football League is on TuneIn.